This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Tuesday, February the 8th, coming up here from the Kent MP, who doesn't think Boris Johnson needs to apologise over comments about Jimmy Savile. Plus, we look ahead to Gillingham's game against Cambridge United in League One tonight. But first, our most read story on the site today is that street traders in Canterbury say their futures could be uncertain after the end of the year. Now, while those in the St George's Street area were aware they'd have to move as part of plans to revamp the area, others say they're shocked to have received letters out of the blue. Well, the City Council say they're going to be carrying out a review of street trading, so won't be issuing licences beyond December. Frankie Fernando has run the popular gourmet sausage and burger unit in the High Street for the past 14 years. You may well have seen it or even eaten from there. Well, he's been speaking to our reporter, Jerry Warren. If we first of all reel back two years ago, um, George Street, behind me, um, all the traders one to eight it was made very clear to them that they would have to cease trading um, 2022, at the end of 2022. But traders 9 to um, 40 were safe. There wasn't a problem. So we didn't pay much notice of it because it didn't concern us. Um, and we wasn't asked for any help from any of the other traders. So anyway, so yeah, so when we got that email... With the week well, what ago, did the email tell you? It told us that we will have to cease trading on the 22nd of December. And now you stand the risk of, of, of not being able at some stage to come back. What would that mean to you financially and personally and to your staff? Well, I have a young family. I have a 10 month year old baby. I have, a, I have a daughter who's free. I have a daughter, even though she's 20, she heavily relies on me um, because she's at uni, but she's got some health issues. And so she can't do work as well. She gets very tired, she's got a bone condition. And so I have to f- support her financially as well. Um, the, the guy, Jeffrey, he's been with me for 13 years. He was initially homeless when I met him. I took him in. He came and lived with me for the first five years. Yeah. Got his life in order and he's been with me ever since. Um, it would be devastating. This is my living. Uh, and you've, you've gained a good reputation here as Listen, well, haven't you? We are number one best street food in Kent. Yeah? And we're number one the best eating place in Canterbury, according to TripAdvisor. So what you're asking the council to do is to reconsider this this threat of not renewing the licence? 100%. It it makes sense. You know, they're destroying lives. Most importantly, let's forget about the revenue they're getting. First of all, let's let's look at people and families. Uh, My family, you know, it will destroy us. Rob Davis is a spokesman for Canterbury City Council and he says the review of street trading should be completed by the summer. In a statement, he adds, We have written to the street traders to let them know it's underway and to give them advance notice that, as a result, for a temporary period we won't be issuing licences beyond December. We will be especially keen to hear the views of the traders during this process, which will take a few months. Once complete, we will be able to provide them with certainty once again. We will, of course, keep you updated on this story at Kent Online.
Kent Online News. Other top stories today and a former detective who helped investigate serial killer Levi Belfield says it's entirely plausible he had more victims. The 53-year-old who's in prison for murdering three women has apparently confessed to killing mother and daughter Lynna and Megan Russell in Kent in 1996. It's led to fresh calls for Gillingham man Michael Stone who was twice convicted of the Chillenden murders to be released from jail. Well, you can listen back to yesterday's podcast to hear our exclusive interview with Michael's sister. Now, there are calls today for Boris Johnson to apologise for comments he made about Jimmy Savile. Last week, the Prime Minister wrongly told MPs that in a former job as head of prosecutions, Sakir Starmer, the Labour leader, failed to bring charges against the sex offender. Well, yesterday, the Labour leader was mobbed by protesters in Westminster. The North Thanet MP is among Conservatives urging Boris Johnson to apologise. Sir Roger Gale says the Prime Minister's deliberately careless use of language is directly to blame for the abuse suffered by the Labour leader. However, the Sittingbourne and Sheppey MP hasn't gone that far. Far. Gordon Henderson has today been speaking to Phil from our colleagues at KMTV. The Prime Minister, in, in the heat of debate, uh, made a comment about uh, the responsibility of the leader of the opposition uh, when he was head of the, um, the, the, the CPS as the, the, the DDP. Now, my own view is that in the cut of thrust of debate, it was perfectly legitimate what he said, because I have, uh, being at the coalface, I have heard the leader of the opposition, Keir Starmer, on a number of occasions boasting about when he was head of the CPS, prosecuting all sorts of different people. He didn't prosecute them, but as head of the the, the CPS, he took um, the credit for having done so. So I think it's only legitimate to say now when uh, he should take responsibility, not only for when the CPS prosecuted people, but take the criticism when they failed to, to prosecute somebody, in this case, Jimmy Savile. So I think in the cut and thrust of debate, it was a perfectly legitimate uh, comment that has been blown up by the Prime Minister's uh, Uh, critics and those who have always opposed him uh, to try and destabilise him yet again. Obviously, you say it's a legitimate thing to to put to to Keir Starmer. Um, We've, of course, seen the videos, I'm sure you've seen them as well, of him now basically being accosted and harassed by members of the public who say that he's a paedophile enabler. We've seen all these people, whatever you say about these people doing it, it's now as a direct result of the Prime Minister's comments. No, I, just uh, what you got, that. I, I, I saw the I saw the, the, the snip of what happened, uh, and lots of uh, insults uh, were being hurled at Keir Starmer in exactly the same way that those uh, lunatic uh, anti-vaxxers have done exactly the same thing for uh, people on all sides of the chamber, including Michael Gove, was insulting in the same way. They happened to mention Jimmy Savile and uh, people picked up on that. But I would just leave it to uh, the, uh, the the husband of our uh, dead colleague, Joe Cox, uh, Brendan Cox, said this morning, and he made quite clear, it's hard to draw a line. Uh, 
uh, uh, draw a link between what the Prime Minister said and, and, and in some way make him responsible. It's simply not the case. Again, do you think this is just another ploy of, of critics? Because Keir Starmer obviously would, would make the case, well, okay, you've, you've kind of made this allegation, I'd argue incorrectly, and now as a result, I'm getting more abuse of the public. You can see a direct correlation there, surely, from his side. Well, look, I, I suspect, I'd be hugely surprised if any of those lunatics who wrongly um, uh, hurled uh, um, insults at uh, Keir Starmer yesterday and, and threatened him, have ever seen Prime Minister's questions, wouldn't have a clue what was said last week or the week before Prime Minister's question. And I think it's the, the media... Uh, who are making the link because they want to destabilise the Prime Minister. A man's been charged after safes and cash were stolen from 13 businesses in Kent. The 42-year-old was arrested following an investigation into break-ins across Whitstable, Faversham, Hermbay, Aylsham and Ash. Shops, cafes and restaurants were targeted between November and January. A 22-year-old man who was also arrested has been released on bail. An investigation's underway in Medway after police found hundreds of parts from suspected stolen Range Rover. The discovery was made when officers were called to reports of suspicious activity in Rochester overnight. The parts are thought to have come from multiple vehicles and were found in a metal container. A wooden climbing frame at a children's play area in Ashford has been destroyed in an arson attack. At Kent Online today, you can see a video of firefighters tackling the blaze in the park near Asda in the early hours of this morning. It's believed to have been started deliberately and council workers are now assessing the damage. The Kent Online Podcast with Ballin Maidstone. A Kent doctor has warned energy drinks could be just as dangerous as cigarettes. It says a new study today shows up to one in three children in Britain are drinking them. Some are having them five or more times a week. Well, the drinks can cause trouble sleeping, headaches and stomach problems in young people. Dr Mampinda Sahota is a GP in Gravesend and has been speaking to Lucy. They've got extreme large amounts of caffeine and some of them have also got large amounts of sugar in them. Um, so the way I kind of describe it to patients, uh, caffeine and sugar, it's like you're you're sitting in a car and you've got the you've got the gear stick in neutral, and you put and you're putting your foot down on the accelerator. So you're flooding the engine uh, with lots of fuel, but the car's going nowhere. So eventually what will happen, I mean, initially the car isn't going to break down, but if you keep on doing that, keep on doing that, the car, the, the car's going to malfunction. The engine is just going to overload. And that's exactly what happens to uh, with the energy drinks because they've got tons and tons of caffeine. So caffeine is a stimulant. So if you ever drink, have a cup of coffee or even the, the energy drinks, have a feel of your pulse rate before you drink it and after you drink it. And you'll always notice that your pulse rate goes up. Whereas the energy drinks are like, they're probably equivalent to drinking possibly four or five cups of coffee in one hit. So you, you can imagine the pulse rate increase. So as a result of the increase in pulse rate, uh, lots of people are suffering with uh, heart problems, irregular heartbeats. Uh, there was a, an episode of a, a university student having heart failure. And the mental effects of it is it causes severe anxiety and restlessness. And obviously, you know, with COVID and everything else. So for me, they're 
actually as dangerous, maybe if not more than cigarettes. Do you think parents are aware of, of how dangerous energy drinks might be if they're allowing their children to drink them or perhaps not warning them enough of how dangerous it could be? A lot of parents, they're drinking the energy drinks themselves. So they're not, they don't even have the awareness themselves. That, and obviously, just like smoking, when you're drinking the energy drinks, that habit is passed down to your children because they think that, you know, mum and dad are drinking them uh, and they'll drink them. And university students and, you know, all sorts of teenagers and things, um, you know, it's they're in that kind of age of risk, risk-taking behaviour anyway. Uh, and, and alcohol consumption has reduced and cigarette smoke you know, has reduced with teenagers and uh, younger people. But unfortunately, it's been replaced by this dangerous habit. Yeah, and I know it can cause both short-term and long-term problems. I mean, you spoke about it being like flooding an engine with fuel, um, but it not going anywhere. And and that can cause, I imagine, quite a lot of maybe behavioural issues for children and teenagers. And perhaps parents might be noticing that and not realising what's causing the issue. Behavioural issues, uh, hyperactivity, ADHD. Um, it's, you know, the diagnosis have gone through the roof. Um, you know, you know, you know, in places like Gravesend, the the incidence of ADHD and other, you know, it is phenomenal, and it is majority of it is related to the diet and you know possibly the environment. Uh, so you know, you you add in these kind of energy drinks, the high sugar, you add in all your um, your simple carbohydrates like white bread, white pasta, which the body absorbs very, very quickly. So, you know, one piece of white bread is equivalent to three spoons of sugar. Um, you add in an energy drink on top of that. You add in a bit of fruit juice on top of that. You know, you're gonna you're gonna have kids who're gonna be super hyperactive and there's you know there's no way they're going to sit down with that level of sugar inside them. Ministers are planning to ban under 18s from buying energy drinks. A three million pound nightingale surge hub set up at a Kent hospital now looks unlikely to be used to treat Covid patients. You may remember the facility was set up in the car park of Ashford's William Harvey Hospital ahead of a predicted rise in people being admitted during the Omicron wave over the festive period. But East Kent Hospital Trust has now been told the ward, which had a capacity for almost 100 patients, has been moved into a slowdown phase and they're considering what to do with it. Meantime, latest figures show coronavirus cases are still rising in some parts of Kent despite an overall drop. Infection rates went up in Maidstone, Thanet, Tunbridge, Morling and Ashford in the week to last Wednesday. Across the county, more than 1,800 people tested positive yesterday with hospital admissions down but a slight rise in COVID deaths. It's claimed that lorry drivers might have to get used to queuing for four hours at Dover on busy days in the UK's post-Brexit world. Now, new checks that came into force at the beginning of the year have caused long delays at the port. Dover Tap has been in force again on the A20 today, but the boss of the Road Haulage Association says the overall picture is positive. Meantime, a report's found the South East is the worst region in England for accurately notifying drivers of overnight road closures. Less than half were published correctly 
directly by national highways last year. The regulator also found our region is the busiest for traffic in the country and continues to suffer the highest level of delays. Kent Online reports. Staff who clean trains and railway stations in Kent are going on strike later this month in a dispute over pay. The RMT union says hundreds of Churchill workers will walk out on Wednesday the 24th of February. They're angry about having to keep up with extra hygiene measures during the pandemic without a wage increase. A new app aimed at cutting down on food waste is going to be tried out in Kent. It's estimated the equivalent of more than 15 billion meals are thrown away in the UK every year. Well, Food Loop was set up by Produced in Kent to connect suppliers, businesses and charities to make sure it goes where it's needed most. We'll have more on this in tomorrow's podcast. There are plans for a new housing development at a sand and gravel quarry in Aylesford. The site's been operating for over 100 years, but it's now coming to the end of its working life. Aylesford Heritage want to build 400 properties for older people and key workers. Now, you may have heard it's National Apprenticeship Week and we've been hearing how they can help businesses and young people in Kent build the future. Dozens of employees across the county offer training alongside a paid job to help teach vital skills for those who may not want to go to university. Connor Robinson's completing his qualifications while working at New Steel in Hythe and says it's really rewarding. So with New Steel, as when I first started, um, involves a lot of heavy industrial um, work so obviously building bridges gantries um we obviously learn how to do abrasive grinding um we also like with our welding we obviously they try and get us coded within the first three months or so so start your fillet weld and then you'll go up towards i don't know something a bit more different difficult like a butt but um overall it just you just progress as you go really and for a first year the main thing is at first learning how to weld trying to understand drawings a bit more and just learning how to kind of get put the pieces and how the company works sort of. And how long is the apprenticeship in, in total? Um, it's in total four years. Cool. And, and what is it that you're working towards at the end? Is there a qualification that you get at the end of that? Um, the qualification I'm getting is hopefully obviously a level three in an engineering diploma underneath welding and um, also to try and stay at this company and progress further up the ranks. Nice. And why was it in the first place that you decided that you wanted to go and do an apprenticeship? Um, because I worked here for about six months beforehand in the machine shop. And obviously I saw how interesting it actually was. And I couldn't say that I've ever seen a place like this. Like The, the workplace environment is it's really cool. It's interesting. And I thought I've got to give it a go. And I'm really happy that I have. And I'm glad that Jason Messenger gave me a chance to do it. Nice, good stuff. And what are some of the best parts? What are some of the bits you enjoy most about the apprenticeship? Um, I enjoy the fact that I'm always learning, um, obviously getting a skill in welding, definitely, and seeing the jobs at the end once we build them. At Kent Online today, you can read about the Kent couple who were made redundant because of the pandemic and have started a new life abroad running an alpaca farm. Will and Sophie Hargreaves moved from Cuxton near Rochester to a village in western France in December 2020, just over a year later, and it's been a big success with them offering a variety of alpaca experiences as well as overnight stays in a glamping tent. A crowdfunding campaign's been launched in a bid to save an independent bookshop in Hyde 
five. The owners of the book den in the high street are trying to get £30,000 to secure its future after being left struggling financially because of the pandemic. They're hoping the money will also help cover the cost of repairs and create a new area for teenage book lovers to read in. Westlife are going to be kicking off their tour this summer with a show in Kent. The boy band will be performing at the Hot Farm in Tunbridge on the 1st of July. Tickets will go on sale at 10 o'clock on Friday morning. Kent Online Sport. Football and after a disappointing defeat at the weekend, Gillingham welcomed Cambridge United to Priestfield this evening. They're one of the few sides the Jules have actually beaten this season and they'll be hoping to do the same again later. Well, our sports reporter Luke Cordell says they do look to be an improved team under the new manager. Well, Neil Harris has been here at Gillingham for a week now and um, what a what a change we've seen around the place. I mean, there's so much positivity now amongst the supporters who just a week ago after that 7-2 hammering at home, everyone was fully expecting the Jills to be relegated and um, they might still be relegated, but um, at least people are now hoping and believing that that they could just survive. There's a, a big gap to make up. I think it's eight points between themselves and safety. They haven't got a great goal difference, so that might as well be nine points. Nine points doesn't sound that much, but there's not many games left, about 16, I think. Um, And it's going to be tough. April, I think, last month, they've got some real, real hard fixtures. So they need to start winning now. Um, Cambridge United on Tuesday night is a... It should be seen as a must-win, really. They've got to win that one. They've got to win quite a few, I'd say, in the next few weeks just to give themselves some chance, some hope. But Neil Harris has come has come with a breath of fresh air, really, to the club. Um, he hasn't done anything too drastic. I mean, he's inherited a team. He's, there's one player gone out, Carl Dempsey, and one player come in in Ben Thompson, and arguably Thompson could well be better than Dempsey. But the rest of the squad is, is as it was, really. But there's so much confidence around at the minute. And um, at Ipswich, they came off the field beaten 1-0. But, blimey, they should have won that game. They had enough chances... They were they were so good, even the Ipswich fans were admitting that Gillingham should have won it. And this is an Ipswich team that have got bundles of quality in their squad. And Neil Harris has had two games now, he's won one. The other one, Ipswich, should have won. And now we go on to Cambridge and hopefully if they can get another win there, then, well, people will really then be looking at the table and thinking, you know, this... This survival mission is on. The Jills, as Luke said, are still eight points from safety in League One, so plenty of work to do. Kick-off tonight is at 7.45. You can follow the match action at Kent Online and tune in to our sister radio station, KMFM, to hear reaction from the result tomorrow morning. Cricket and a half-century from Kent's Tammy Beaumont wasn't enough to stop them losing their final Ashes match. She scored 50 in their one-day international in Melbourne overnight, but Australia had already won the series. Well, that's all for us for today thanks ever so much for listening don't forget you can follow us on facebook twitter and instagram plus you can get access to the ad free kent online premium site by subscribing just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe news you can trust this is the kent online podcast this podcast is sponsored by ball in maidstone your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with american pool Table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches.